Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Thanks for coming today. Welcome to Communitas. We are a church who are into loving God and loving others and making disciples along the way. Uh, My name is Mike Gary. I'm the associate pastor here about whom Bob spoke earlier today. And uh, Bob Evans uh, and I have been going through this this series, and Bob gave me the, uh, this idea of falling in love with God all over again. Bob would continue to call it his swan song, if you will. Just the, the things that he really wants to get out and, uh, and make sure that everybody knows um, you know, over the summer. Oh yeah, if you're, if you're a little kid, there's all kinds of fun stuff going over that way, but it looks like they're more on top of it than I am, so that's great. Um, and so... What Bob has charged me to do today is to talk a little bit about, uh, we've, we've talked last week about falling in love with the Father, this week we're going to talk about falling in love with the Son as we prepare for next week falling in love with the Spirit, which is kind of a daunting task in some ways, right? Like the, there's this temptation to say a lot and to go on and on and on, but the hope is that, is that I would say enough, not that you would be burdened with more information, but that you'd be compelled uh, by the story of who Jesus is and what he's done and how his life was lived. So I used to work on the road a lot, and I stayed in, a, I'd stay in hotels, and, and you get up in the morning, and you'd, you know, kind of go about your morning routine, and then we'd usually meet up at the vehicle to take off to go about the day's business. And I remember there was this guy who, I mean, he was just the, this real stickler on time. Is you know, like, if, you're, if we were going to meet at the vehicle at 6 o'clock and you were there at 6.01, like, totally ruined the rest of his day, right? And he was just mad at you. Like, 6.50, you know, 5.59, you were fine. 6 o'clock, good. 6.01, I mean, it was just, like, he had no, the, the, you know, just freaked out. And I just didn't get it, right? Because sometimes you're sitting there, you're checking out, maybe somebody is having issues with their credit card or whatever. And so even though I'd, you know, planned for that extra 10 minutes, that gets burned up because a, a chip reader wouldn't work or someone wanted their best Western points or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, and he just didn't have time for it. He's like, well, you should have, you know, been, been there 15 minutes early. And it's like, good night. Like, could we be a little bit more gracious? And so in my head, I would always kind of justify it of just, because he was, I didn't think that he was a very great worker. And so I'd kind of justify it in my head and just be like, dude, the, the one minute that I was late, I'm going to make up over your abilities here in like five minutes. Like, I just, you know, like, get over it, Right. But what, what, what I was doing was I was setting up this system to kind of justify my own actions. Like instead of just saying, yeah, I screwed up, I was a minute late, that's my bad, and moving on with it and accepting that, I had to try to justify myself to be like, oh no, uh, I'm going to, you know, it's okay that I was a minute late because I can work a minute faster than, than this guy can, right? So, I mean, don't we, all kind of, don't we all sort of have those different systems in place where it's like, oh, this guy was late, but I do this, or, you know, around the house, oh, this person does this thing, and I do this thing, and so it kind of equals, equals everything out. You know, so we, we all kind of have those systems. And so in today's story, oh, we're going to be in, uh, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 7, and it's verses 36 through 50, and I'll, I'll, I'll read the story, and then we'll go back through and... Uh, and kind of go, go through it one at a time. Uh, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house. Uh, he is Jesus in this case. Went into the Pharisee's house, took his place at the table, and behold, 
A woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who this who, the, what's, who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom it was canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so the story that Luke gives us here. I really like Luke. I think it's, um, he's just kind of a, a cool writer. And Luke is one of the, is the only Gentile gospel writer that we have, the, actually the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. And his, his book is kind of a, uh, a personification of, of who he is and what his message is all about. So Luke's message in, in the gospel of Luke is that the good news of Christ belongs to all people doesn't matter race, doesn't matter social status, doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter to whose government you belong, the gospel is available to you. And so if someone were to come to Luke and be like, Luke, really? Even for me? Luke manifests that as a Gentile writer says, yeah, I'm in and you're in too. And then he's also a pretty sharp guy, uh, a, a pretty decent writer. And so what he does is in a lot of the stories, if you read through uh, the, the Gospel of Luke, and even throughout Acts, is he paints these pictures, and he gives you these, these stories, and in these stories, you see these, there are these, you know, the, these main characters that will kind of pop out, and then there will be kind of these things in the background, and as the, the story continues, it's almost like a focus lens, and you see this one image, and then, and then we move in, and the, that image comes a little bit clearer, and a little bit more clear, and we see, by the end of the story, the image that we had at the beginning is very different uh, than the one that we see at the end. So one of the Pharisees, so basically so what we've got going on is this, this Pharisee has invited Jesus to come and eat with him. Bob mentioned a couple weeks ago about how, you know, we had Paul Straubel came down, and a few of you took him out to lunch and, uh, and you know, went and met with his family and just heard more about Mokum. It's a pretty common thing to just invite someone over. If we had another speaker who would come here to Communitas, you might, a group of you might take them out to lunch or, or sit with them, invite them into your home. 
and it could be just to hear more about them. Maybe you've got some theological questions you want to ask them, and you think, yeah, that'd be a good time to do that. And that's kind of what's going on here. And so the setting is, is not too out of the ordinary. It was pretty common. So Jesus has what's called an itinerant ministry, which means he's traveling all over the place. And so he's, he's walking around, and he's in this, the city of, of this Pharisee, who will later learn his name is Simon. And Simon says, hey, man, why don't you come over to my house? We're not really sure why Simon invites him over. It could be that he's got some theological questions. He's interested in who Jesus is, but uh, we're not really sure. But then all of a sudden, um, and does anyone remember last week Bob talked about that word behold? So it means like, you know, really kind of, behold, this is something crazy. And so verse 37, it says, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. So a sinner here means uh, she's likely a prostitute. And that's now become her identity. So who is a sinner? That's, it's not, oh, you know, so if, if I were to introduce myself, I might say, hey, my name is Mike. I'm a bike mechanic, and I'm also a part-time pastor. Uh, Joel introduced himself. He might say I'm a mental health practitioner or something like that. Uh, if this woman were to be introduced, society would say this is whatever her name is. She's a sinner. So that's, that's now become a part of her identity. And so when she learns that she's, so, and so this woman like bursts in, so imagine you're, you're at lunch afterward, and all of a sudden this, this lady like bursts in. She starts weeping and washing the feet of the guests that you have and wiping their feet with her hair and kissing her feet, kissing their feet, and then opening up some perfume and putting that on their feet. Does that happen to many of us here? Is that like a common? That's, I'm going to hang out with you more often. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. No, right? Like it's it's that's different. That w- that would cause that would cause me to say, yeah, that was I would I would think back on that as a very memorable lunch. Uh, that would be something that would stick out to me, and I would count that as different. But that's not the outrageous thing that's happening here. We miss some things here in our in our context. So, what's totally wild is that. So, so, so get this picture. So a woman comes in. She's got, she's got her hair down. She's wiping it down. What's outrageous here is that in Jesus' culture, uh, for a woman to a woman let her hair down, there were certain conditions. It, had, it was only around her husband, and it was never in public. It was always in private. And so it was this really, really outrageous thing that she's doing. It would be equivalent to her coming in and, and taking her top off. So it's totally wild that this is happening at this lunch. So this is the outrageous thing that this woman is doing. So she's totally cast aside all of the, the social structures and cultural norms to come in to just admire and adore Jesus. And so this would be cause for a moment where, where Simon and Jesus and the other guests might be looking around at one another, kind of, just, you know, like if you're, if you put yourself just for a second as a guest there, right? So like you're sitting in somebody's house, this is going on, you're looking around, you're going, um, is this, is this, this, this can't be okay, right? Because they know Simon. Simon's a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were these really morally straight, really upright guys. They get a lot of flack uh, in, throughout the New Testament because they're, every time that, that they meet up with Jesus, this strict moral code and this really fine doctrine that they have always meets up with, with the way that Jesus lives, and, they, and it exposes this disconnect between their head and their heart. And so all of a sudden, you're looking at Simon, and they're waiting for Simon to do something. Because he should know what to do. And what does he do? He asks Jesus a question. Or he, he starts thinking in his mind. He says, 
oh, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So he's thinking this in his head, wondering, oh, is, is Jesus a prophet? I thought maybe he was, maybe he isn't. And then Jesus answers the question that he's asking in his head. I just love that. Um, I wonder if this guy's a prophet. Hey, Simon, I got something to say to you. Well, there's your answer. And he says, a certain moneylander has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? So a denarii is about the equivalent, to, or so the, the 50 denarii, basically what we're talking about is, is two months worth of wages versus just shy of two years worth of wages. So if I come to you and I say, and, and you owe me money, or if someone were to come to you know, any one of us and, they, and, and we, we owe some money and they say, okay, you've got, you owe me two years worth of wages. How many of us are just going to be able to be like, oh yeah, I got that covered. Yeah, let me just, you know, to whom do I write the check? Do you want me to just, you know, square cash that to you? You know, let me just, let me just go back into the, into the file drawer here and, and we'll just count it out. Any, any, you know, we don't have to get too personal here, but for most of us, that's not going to happen. For most of us, if someone were to cancel a two years wage worth of debt, that would be astounding. That would be cause for, for very happy tears and kisses on the feet. Now, if someone were to come and say, hey, two months, you owe me two months worth of, of, of your wages. For most of us, that's still going to be a pinch, but for some of us, that, that might be something that we could sort of squeak out, maybe, um, you know, it's probably going to mean rice and beans for a little while, maybe skipping a few meals, not going out to the movies, you know, whatever else. There's going to be some sacrifices, but maybe we could almost sort of squeak that one out. But the point here isn't whether or not you can do it. The point here is that it's, the debt is there and that it's, it's been paid. And so Simon, Simon doesn't see that. Simon should know that he should be daily experiencing and showing the love of Christ, but he's so caught up in this world of, of, of working toward it and making sure that it's about what he does and doesn't do, who he talks with and who he doesn't talk with, where he eats and where he doesn't eat, that he completely misses this opportunity to show and experience the love of Christ. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, and this is, this is where we get to see some of Luke's brilliance here as a writer. Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but for the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And so if you're a first century listener, for you, this is, this is where the other shoe drops. You're seeing this story and, and you understand the outrage of what this woman is doing. But now you also see what Simon has done. He's committed this great social faux pas. Um, so if I were to come into your house in the middle of winter here in the upper Midwest, and we don't really have a great context for it, but let's say I, I come over, right, and, and we go out and we're, we're sledding, you know, and I come in, my snow pants are all wet, and, and I got my jacket on. What are you going to do? You're going to probably offer me, you know, a place to put my boots so that you don't 
I don't get snow all over the place. You might say, let me take those snow pants and we'll throw them in the dryer. You know, let me take your coat off. We're going to hang that up over here. Like it's just pretty common. It's just decent. Like I'm a human, you're a human. We're going to take care of one another sort of things. Even if you're just a total narcissist and it's like, hey, I don't want you to get that mess on my floor. You're at least going to do some of these very simple things. But Simon is so caught up in what he's in, in, in whatever he's got going on in this, this system of thinking where he's justifying himself that he can't even do that. He can't even do the basic thing. So in Jesus' time, the meal, is when they're reclining, they'd be leaning on a pillow and kind of leaning on their side and, and they'd have all the food set before them. And so if, if you and I go out for a hike for a couple days and we're walking around talking to people and then we get together and, and there's this table that's set here and we're kind of leaning in this way, it might be a good idea for maybe a little bit of oil, kind of like if it's me, I'd maybe want like the old spice, you know, to be, to be anointed on me. Um, and, and if I'm walking for a couple days, you, you might want to wash the feet a little bit, right? And so there's, there's, a, there's a hospitality and there's a care and a concern component of it. And there's also just like a basic hygiene thing. And so they're sitting around this table and, and all of a sudden we realize that from the get-go, from the very beginning of the story, before behold... From the very beginning, Simon has totally snubbed Jesus this entire time. We see that the entire time that this is going on, the folks that have gathered at Simon the Pharisee's house are already looking around being like, he, no, no oil? Like he was supposed to give him a little bit of oil. He was supposed to greet him with a kiss on the cheek. He was supposed to call his servant and, and have, have Jesus' feet get washed. He's, Simon is, is totally mistreating his guest. And so there might be, so there's this little bit of, we start to see, yeah, there's, there's this woman and, and Jesus affirms that, yeah, she's had many sins. But then we also see that, yeah, but Simon's kind of a jerk. And, you know, so to kind of relate to that, that story from the beginning, yeah, I was, I was late and that was, that's, that's the big problem. But, the person with whom I'm working, like, not very gracious. Like, there's, so there's, there's this two-parted thing where all of a sudden we start to see that, that man, Simon is not, not doing well. And what does Jesus do, right? Because while Jesus's, Jesus's words transform, they should also convict us and they should confront us. And so Jesus says to, you know, he just says, Simon, like, yeah, She's done a whole bunch of bad things, but like you didn't even acknowledge like my basic human fundamental dignity. You're seeing this woman through the eyes of the world and through your social system. He says, but I'm ushering in a new system that's going to right the world and put it back on the axis that my Father and the Spirit and I have created. And I need you to understand that, Simon. We need to understand that yeah, I, I love that you know your Torah backward and forward, and I love that you tithe and you fast and that you work hard all day and that you teach all night and you do all these upright things and you adhere to this really strict moral code, and that's all really great, but your heart is far from me. And you should know more than anybody how to daily experience and show the love of Christ, but you're totally missing the point. And he says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. 
And so he's starting to get at Simon's heart. And he says, hey man, you've asked for very little forgiveness. And so it's very difficult for you to love much or to be loved much. Have you ever noticed the people who confess much, how they're also loved much? Have you noticed the people who are really honest about their condition and who they are and what's going on, that they actually, they're actually really freed up to love and to be cared for and to accept others? And so that's the, that's the crazy part of Jesus' kingdom, right? So he's ushering in this deal where he says, yeah, you know, dig deep. Look at not, you know, and, and he's saying, yeah, this woman's got all these outward sins. It's really blatant, plain, you know, plain and simple to see. And Simon's able to hide a little bit more of what he's got going on. And so Jesus is saying, Simon, let's dig a little bit deeper, pal. Like, take all that head knowledge that you've got and run your life through that. And let's see what, what's going on. I, I don't want to just change the way that you're thinking and the way that they're acting, but I'm here to change the way that you are. And I want you to take this identity that this, that this woman has taken where she sees herself as a daughter of, of the Most High, Simon, and I'm inviting you to come and follow me and to walk with me, and not just to know what I know, but also to live how I live. Because that's the beauty of, of Jesus' gospel. That's the beauty of the message and the way that he, that he walked around and the way that he lives and the life that he's offering to us. is not that, oh, you can know more things and we can sing great songs and we can get together, but that at our worst, we've been loved. And even for the things that we don't even know, we're still loved and we're cared for more than we can understand. And he calls us to continually look into that and to press in and to, to daily experience that and to daily show that to others. And the beauty about Jesus is it isn't just like, hey man, we're going to meet up and, and we're going to high five one time and that's going to be it, and I'm going, to, I'm going to cut you loose. No, we see this story where Jesus is continually coming back into the lives of his people to continually work with them and transform them and to bring them more and more into likeness of him and communion with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so he says to the woman, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then those who are at the table began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's her faith. It's not her, it's not what she thinks. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not this idea of, oh, I'm going to do all these right things. I'm going to you know, do this, this strict code. It's her faith. And we see her identity becomes changed and she's no longer seen as, as the sinner, but she's seen as forgiven and as redeemed. And so as I've been speaking, you maybe have been thinking about, okay, so there's this daily experience of Christ and showing the love of Christ. You know, what does that look like? How do we do that? And the question I, would, I think we need to wrestle with first is who is Jesus to us? Luke paints this really great picture of, of we, have, we have Simon and we have this woman. And the woman has completely come to terms with the fact that she is broken and undone and shy of the grace of Christ, is lost. And then we have Simon, who thinks, gosh, you know, I'm, I kind of got it. I've got it mostly there. I just need a little bit more. And he's on this perpetual hamster wheel of righteousness where he thinks, oh, if I can just get this, I think I'm going to get there. 
And if we're honest with ourselves, I think, you know, there are certainly mornings where, or, or days where we're going to be really thankful and we're going we're gonna to adore and admire Jesus. And we would be like that woman where we would, you know, we could wet his feet with our tears and, and kiss his feet and do the perfume. But I think there's also plenty of us who would also, if we're being honest with ourselves, need to admit that we're a lot like Simon and that we have some work to do within ourselves. That there are sins that we need to deal with. That there are still ways in which we relate to ourselves and to one another and to the Lord that could use some work. And that we can't do that without the grace of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so how do we do that? I think a lot of it, it you know, it's going to look different, differently for a lot of other, for, for each one of us here. But I think we're, we've got a good first step and that we're meeting, we're listening. And so I think, you know, we talked about the confession of sins. When was the last time you actually had an honest conversation with yourself about, about who you are and where you're at and what's going on in your world and what the condition is of your heart? And then also, when was the last time you looked in the mirror and saw yourself as, as the Lord saw you, as redeemed, as one of his children? Because that's the beauty of the gospel. We're not worth it, but we've been redeemed. We've got all sorts of stuff going on, but the Lord says, I'm with you. Come and follow me. All the other systems of the world will, will define success as, oh, if you do this, or if you climb to this, or you know, this dominance and prominence sort of thing. And Jesus says, man, I'm not having any of that. You've done enough. Come to the cross. Follow me. Live like I have lived. Love like I love. And so what's that going to look like for us as a church to do that dirty work of rolling up our sleeves, being honest with who we are, acknowledging that each one of us has yet to graduate from the school of grace and we're still all Jesus' pupils? What is it going to look like for us to do that next right thing we know to do? It's often more simple than we, than we would imagine. Sometimes I know for me growing up, it was like, oh, I've got to do all these different things. And, and I love the words that um, I just use of, of Dallas Willers of what's the next thing to do? Man, do the next right thing you know to do. So for some of us, that's going to be taking that step. It might be as Bob is, you know, Bob Colvinson has been talking about, you know, doing some service work for some other people. For some of us, that, that's going to mean just looking in the mirror and being honest and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm more loved than I could even imagine. And for some of us, it's going to mean actually confronting some sins and working through that in the midst of the community here. And so we as a church, we want to be a place where that can happen. We want to, you know, we want to have relationships with one another that are supportive and, and bring us into further and further into Christ-likeness. And so as the band comes back up to play our closing song, I just want to pray for us that that would be something that would be so. And so, Lord, we thank you for, for your message. We thank you for who you are. There's a lot that we don't understand in, in, how, you are, in, in how you've called us to live, but there's also a beauty in who you are. And we thank you that though we're, we're sinners, 
you've died for us and you've redeemed us. You've called us your own and you've called us to be like you. And so, Lord, help us to have the disposition of this woman that we would know who we are. We would take our position as, as forgiven and as redeemed and that we daily experience you and we would show your love to all the world. Amen.